Since the beginning of time, mankind has been trying to connect with the divine. We found ways to meditate, pray, and praise, just trying to make sense of our days. Then the word became flesh, and for the very first time, we saw what it looked like to be with God. You see, Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And each morning, Jesus retreated to receive what only the Father could give, the daily bread we each need to live. From town to town, Jesus found the outcast and overlooked, the ones people avoided and mistook. And he stopped, listened, shared a meal, served. This way of blessing was Jesus's way of living. And now we open doors of kindness and generosity, meeting needs with no desire for reciprocity. He challenged those who put the law above love. And so we look to the way, Jesus, God's son, the one who was and is and is to come. First John, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. First John chapter one. I'm excited for this morning. So we should read God's word, here's why. Because I read just this week in Psalms where it talks about how the word of God, when it's spoken, it won't return void. It's gonna do what it does. <laughs> so watch out. First John chapter one. Starting in verse 1 says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. God is light. Throughout the book of 1 John, there's a lot of themes running through it, and we have a lot of those themes within just these first seven verses. Themes about Jesus being the way, being the life, being the light, and then an invitation for us to walk in it. So we're going to walk through those verses and see just what God has to tell us, and I'm excited because that, what he wants to tell us, is going to do what it does, and it's not going to return void. His word is powerful. <laughs> so powerful and it's so true for our lives that it actually could shift how we walk out of here. A few weeks ago, I received a text. And it was one of those texts that I could read between the lines. It was a young gal that used to be in a young adult ministry that I ran. And she said in a text, basically, 
I have walked far off the path and I'm ready to come back. But I have to share with someone everything. And I was surprised by my initial response in my mind. Two years ago, my response would have been this. Okay, she has to have confession, she has to have love, and then I have to make sure that I put her in like a discipleship group, and then what I need to make sure, okay, then I gotta text her every single Sunday morning, I need to make sure that she has a friend, and a friend maybe could be the one to text her, but for, until that time, I'm gonna be the one, and then she has to actually commit to God's word. Where should I ever begin? Probably the book of John, because John's all about love, and it's really creative. This is where my mind would have gone two years ago. Do you know where it went this time, and it was shocking? Wow, God's moving in her life. I felt relaxed about it. Isn't that weird? And then I got with her, and she's, I mean, I could see so full of shame. And by the way, shame is that sense of the uneasiness you feel at the core of your being about your being. Guilt is uh, hating what you did. Shame is hating parts of who you are. And I could see, she, even in her approach, she's like, no one knows. I'm like, you can share it with me. You don't have to, but you can. And she did, and it was a lot. But you know what my response was? I look at her in my car. We didn't even get to the coffee shop yet. I look at her and I'm like, wow, God is moving in your life. She's like, I know, and I, f I feel ready. I feel ready. I feel ready now. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's evidence to me that God is moving in your life, and this is a massive step you just took. She didn't even want to acknowledge the step. She was ready to sprint up the mountain. <laughs> Because she felt ready that day. And here was what I realized. Um, in my tendency, in my flesh, on my own, my tendency would be to jump with her and then tell her about the mountain she has to climb and all the millions of things she has to do to get there. But instead, I just wanted to slow her down and do this. Hey, here's a journey. But you've already taken a massive step. You've walked in the light. And here's what you can find. When the light exposes... When it's God's movement in your life, it's love. And I said, let me ask you a question. Do, do you feel like there's a mountain in front of you that you have to climb, or is it more of a path? She goes, oh, it's a mountain. I said, then I want to give you a different picture, and I believe it's the picture that John is giving in this moment, in this first seven verses. It's this. It's more of a path. Some of you sitting in church think you have a long way to go, and I'm here to tell you, just like John, that God just wants to walk with you on the path of life. And the fact that you're here, you already took a step. Be encouraged, church. You are walking in the light, but remember, as we come to the light, as we engage with him, even in this opening prayer, he wants to illuminate, to let us see ourselves, and maybe even give us the courage in a group like Rooted to share with other people, but you can share with other people because as the light illuminates, that light is love, and then we can walk out this Christian life together. So do me a favor. You can just breathe in for a second and breathe out. It's going to be okay. We're going to learn to walk again. And I hope for some of you that's encouraging because you thought it was a mountain and you thought you had to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you had to get ready to do infinite things. Yes, John does talk about a lot of things we must do, but here's the good news. The one who's calling us to do it is walking with us. 
wanting to illuminate our life in love. So will you pray with me as we just open our hearts to whatever he wants to do to show us maybe to light up our path that we might learn to walk with him this morning. So Heavenly Father, here we are. And I feel like a lot of us came in with anxieties of what we need to do or even in this sermon, what we need to learn about you. Heavenly Father, I'm convinced because of this text that it's not just about knowledge, that it's about true intimacy, intimacy, see into me, illumination of our lives. So even now, would you just search our hearts? And right where you're seated, with God himself who is light, search your heart with him. He loves you. What's in there? What comes to mind? What emotion? What thought? What relationship? What thing you have to do later? <laughs> Any of it. He wants to walk with you. His goal is relationship. Father, I don't want to get out of this place just knowing more about you. I want to know you and walk with you and feel confident that you've already taken all the first steps. <laughs> Teach us how to follow calmly, we pray. And all God's children said. Amen. Amen. Let's go back to the beginning, walk through the verse, and we're going to simply find two truths and one invitation. And we start at verse one. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. So he's talking about God, but he's talking about the eternal God, the one who appeared to us, but the eternal God that has always existed. When I think about an eternal God, I think about a God who lives forever. I always think about the future. Anyone else? We're going to be with God for forever in the future. Here's something mind-blowing. Let it sink in that this one you can't quite comprehend. Ready? He's also forever existed in the past. Oh, that's, you just, you get that? That one's easy for you? <laughs> that which was from the beginning, who has no beginning, appeared. And from this moment, what John is doing is he's bearing testimony to the people he's writing to because they had been, been convinced or been affected by this group called the Gnostics or Gnosticism. It's this false False prophets, false religions, false teachers trying to give false doctrine at the beginning of the first century. And what they're trying to say in that, what that John is actually writing in response to is the Gnostics believed this, that all physical matter is bad. All spiritual is good. And so they're going around in this day and age and saying, no, 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 everything physical is just bad. Just do away with it. So then to think that a God actually created feels impossible to the Gnostics or that God became flesh. And so what John is doing right here in the very beginning of the letter is he's combating Gnosticism and he's saying, no, 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 no. He appeared. The one who created matter appeared. And if you notice the four uh, relative clauses, they go from being more abstract to suddenly getting more and more material so that we might see divine revelation. Look at it. Verse one, that which we have heard. So it begins, there's four clauses. The first one is heard, which isn't enough. Here's why, because people had believed that they heard God in the Old Testament. 
So then he moves on to that we have seen and looked at, which is more compelling. And then he lands with that our hands have touched. He is bearing witness to the conclusive material proof that the word became flesh and lived among us. Why? Verse 3. Here's why. I love this. He always answers his own questions. Why? We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So he's saying he came. He's combating the false doctrine. He came so that, now here's the key, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Point one we realize from these first two verses is that the eternal God appeared for why? For fellowship. And this is key. Fellowship, not just knowledge. So the Gnostics believed that, yeah, yeah, material bad, spiritual good, and therefore God couldn't have created, he couldn't have come. But the second thing they believed is this. Basically, the essence of what they believed is that the foundation of their belief was that getting knowledge was the end, and that was the way to spiritual advancement. So we're at this theme is called the way, and the Gnostics, who John is combating in this letter, are saying, no, 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 the way is to gain more knowledge. And I got to tell you, we're tempted by the same thing in church. To come here, learn about God. We are a culture that is obsessed with knowledge. Have you noticed how many podcasts we listen to? If only I can get more knowledge. And it makes sense because that feels like attainable. We're like, relationship with God, I don't know how to even judge that. But if I can gain more knowledge, and can I tell you, we don't just need more knowledge because I'm convinced we can know a lot about God and not know him at all. I mean, I went to Christian elementary school, Christian middle school, Christian high school, Christian college, and I remember learning a lot about God. In fact, who is God? God is the universe's creator and sustainer plus the only savior. There is no one greater. He's trying holy, omnipotent, omniscient, absolute loving, sovereign, and righteous. Those are a few of his attributes. How do I know that? Well, I know that from the Bible where God has revealed himself. Anything else is just an idol. What's the Bible? That man's complete ruin and sin and what God has done in Christ to bring us to him again. What a sin. Sin is the, you get the idea. You, hold on you can memorize that rap too. <laughs> you can know that the eternal God appeared and not know him at all. And John's writing to go, the eternal God appeared, yes, I heard, I touched, I felt. And he appeared for relationship, fellowship. The Greek word is koinonia, it's this word that's not an association with, it's participation in. And so John is writing to go, don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. The reason he came, which he did, is that you and him would have relationship. And isn't it funny? You already knew that. You already knew that. And we can be tempted to think that knowledge is enough. And the truth is we don't just need knowledge. What we need is eternal life. And thankfully, the life appeared. And in John chapter 17, verse 3, it defines what eternal life is. It's not just forever in the future. John writes this. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you. That they know you. Not just an informational knowledge, but a relational one. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John is writing, and I hope you're leaning in to go. 
You can know him. And he can know you. And so who is he? What's he like? What's having personal relationship? Which Let me just add a, ask a quick question. He came for a relationship that's personal and intimate. And I wonder if those two words would describe your relationship with the Father. Because it can. The best part is, the minute you open your heart in an honest conversation with him, you just took a giant step in the right direction. So who is he and what is it like to be in relationship with this God? Well, there's a lot of incredible byproducts too. John writes that, verse 4, when he writes this. We write this, he's writing this, to make our joy complete. I love this because John has joy, but his joy is limited when the people he loves, joy is limited. And I can attest to that. Can I tell you my favorite feedback from a sermon is not when we're referencing that content was great, but God is great. Do you see the difference? As a pastor, my joy is made greater when you bear testimony to intimacy with him, not when you like a sermon. (laughs) Because sometimes we want to like a sermon because we like the information. No, 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 no. When you get to bear testimony, and I can tell, by the way, I can tell. I love when I get to have conversations with you afterwards, and I'm watching you, and tears are streaming through some of your eyes, and I get to look at you in the eyes, and I go, God is moving in your life. And a few years ago, I would have thought my advice would be, here's a bunch of information that you need. And maybe you've experienced this, like God's at work, and then someone comes, and they give you information, and you're like, that wasn't that helpful. It was smart, but it wasn't that helpful. John's going, hey, the eternal God appeared for fellowship. And when you get that and you open your heart and engage with him, there's joy for him, for you, and for me. So what's the relationship like? Verse 5, he continues writing. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. What is light? Can I tell you, I've gone on a journey the past two weeks really studying light, and I keep like wanting to explain it away, and then I kind of realize, you just kind of know what it is, don't you? <laughs> like there's light, and there's darkness. What does light do? And Sean already said it. It demolishes the darkness. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? You turn on a light in a dark room, guess what goes away? darkness. It's powerful. And it's not just powerful, it illuminates. It is truth, because what does truth do? Truth illuminates. It makes all things visible. Here's another few things. Also with this light, he's good, pure. He cannot lie. He cannot cheat. He cannot do anything evil. He's pure. He's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. He's loving. And he's exposing, and so why did this light come? And I don't need to convince you of this, because there's darkness everywhere, isn't there? And it's not just out there. He came because there's darkness in here. See, we were born into darkness and sin. We were born into it. And our response to it back in the Garden of Eden was many things. Shame, 
sense of uneasiness about the core of your being. Blame, they blamed other people because it's much easier to point to the problems out there than the problems in here. Hiding, fear, anxiety, this was the garden. So if this is you, blame, shame, hiding, fear, anxiety, if that's you, you're not crazy, you're not crazy. You're also not original, that was page three. And the light appeared. And what does light do? It exposes. But it exposes in love. I've studied a lot about heaven, as you know. And I keep seeing that there's no need for the moon and the stars because Jesus is light and he's there. Can I tell you as an aside, this is not from directly from the Bible. This is from a book that I read about heaven from a Christian author who's just looking through it and going, if Jesus is light, what's it like? And he interviewed hundreds and thousands of people who have had these things called near-death experiences where basically they're brought back. And there's this common thread among a lot of them that says, yeah, there's just this light it's just this light that you can't even explain. And I love the way one lady just bared testimony. She's like, this is my life, and I love Jesus, and I know that it was him, and here's what it felt like. It felt like I'm in the presence of light, like everything is completely exposed. My entire life is before me, and I've never felt so loved. That's the light. To be fully exposed and confident that you're fully loved there. See, the light appeared. He appeared in the darkness. And then he went to the cross to take the consequences of all of our darkness, and he entered into it on our behalf. And in his resurrection, he came to life, life offered to us. He took that which we deserve. We, by grace through faith, receive that which he deserved, which is his life, which is his light, and he gifts it to us. And that the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can be secure in your faith. Here's why. Because Jesus took the dark we and we receive his light, which means this, even our shame and our guilt and all of our, what we want to do with all of that is we want to hide and cover it. Because if shame is that sense of uneasiness we feel about ourselves at the core of our being, our natural response to it is to cover that up with trying to be good enough. No wonder, ladies, we say, I just want to be good enough, or we hear that phrase, good enough, all the time. It's because we know that there's darkness, we've experienced that shame, but with the light, the light becomes a mirror that we can look at it, but we don't have to look at it with shame, but we can understand it. Because we are not as we were intended to be. And so what do you do in the light? You let it expose. You don't hide and cover or try to fix your shame and your guilt on your own. Only Jesus can rescue us from our shame and guilt. Let me tell you this by testimony. You can't fix your shame and your guilt on your own by trying to be good enough on your own. That's why John writes, the light has come. The light has come. And if you have given your life in exchange for his, we can be secure because we have nothing to hide in his loving, illuminating presence. You don't have to wonder, therefore, where you stand with God. 
This is why when my friend sent that text, I wasn't terrified for her because where she's at with God, she gave her life to Jesus years prior, where she's at with God hasn't changed even though she's walked in a different direction. We can be secure and we can even up, even open up the door of shame and let it teach us about ourselves. Isn't that wild? I know the world goes, just shove it to the side and just, you know, don't worry about forgiveness. And so we hide and we cover and we try to be good enough at all times. And then we run this endless cycle. Aren't you exhausted, church? The light has appeared and that light is perfect love. And he even lets you open the door and go, why am I so uneasy with myself? What is it? And he looks at it with love and wants to deal with it with you. If only we would pause and stop hiding and covering and simply come to him. That's why he wrote. Not only did the life and light appear, he appeared for fellowship and intimacy with you and his intimacy looks a lot like illumination of what's already there, but you can open up your heart and whatever's in there and be secure. You can be secure. Did you hear it? I'm gonna say it again. You can be secure. I like the way Tim Keller put it. Where is it? It's right here. He said this, Christianity, listen to this, is the only, only, only religion of all the philosophies and all the religions in the world that grants you the possibility of absolute assurance of where you stand with God now. All other religions say you're saved by your life and how you live it. Christianity is the only religion that says you're saved by somebody else's life the light appeared. You're saved by the life of Jesus Christ. If you've given your life over to Jesus, you can stand secure and confident that where you stand with the Father has not changed no matter what you've done this week. Isn't that good news? So what do you do? He keeps writing. Verse six. Now if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness. Let me give you a different picture of darkness. Darkness is not just representing sin, it's also representing our tendency to hide and cover. If we hide and cover, if we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out of the truth, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So the eternal God appeared for fellowship too. God is light. And here's the invitation. Walk in the light. Look back to verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This means that walking in the light does not mean living sinless. I know the first time you read these verses, you go, wait, wait, so if I walk in darkness, then I'm not, but if I, if I walk in the light, then I am. It does not mean living sinless, because verse 7, check it out, says this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It doesn't mean live sinless, because if we were sinless, there wouldn't be sin to purify in the first place. So what does it mean? Walk in the light. Let him illuminate your life. And what do you do with that? Verse 9. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You stand before him. And I really like this definition of confess that Dave said last weekend. Confess means to agree with God about the truth of who you are. To walk with the light means to open up your heart and go, God, what's in there? And can I tell you it's so freeing because as he illuminates, he loves. So you can open up this door of shame or guilt in your life and it can lead you to confession. You can open up this, this is, this is not right with me and he wants to love you to somewhere else and he's planning on going on a journey. Did you notice that the word is this? Walk. It's so incredibly relaxing. How's your life? <laughs> Walk in the light. Let the light illuminate your life and find security in his love. Friends, if we're walking in the light, if we're aware of his presence, not trying to hide or cover who we are, but allowing ourselves to see it in light of his love, you're going to notice yourself walking more secure. How do I know? Because recently I was walking past a friend in the hallway, someone who just walks with Jesus consistently. And I knew he was in the final stages of an interview for his dream job that he's been working his whole life to get. And I'm walking, and he's walking toward me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, do I ask him about it? He's probably worried. I know the final interview is this week. Try to ask him, do you bring it up? Hey, you ready for the big interview? His response was this, yeah. I was like, you're so relaxed. <laughs> this was his response. God is sovereign. Even I can't screw it up. <laughs> That's what security looks like. God is sovereign. He's in control. And in the grand story that he's been telling from the very beginning of time, he brings light to us to illuminate our life, to illuminate our worry. He can look at his worry and go, what's that about? Oh, that's me trying to prove myself again. Oh, I can look in my insecurity. I can look even in my guilt because I know that I agree with you. I'm not as I should be, but you're taking me on a journey. Walk in the light. Let him illuminate and walk secure in his life because the light doesn't stop with him. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, does something shocking. He who is the light that appeared for fellowship and relationship gathers them on the mountain and says this. Turns out, you are the light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I really like that last part. Let your light shine so that people watch your life and go, I'm going to glorify him. Not so they see your life and they're impressed by you. There's a big difference. 
see, so that they see you. And if this is true, that not only is God the light, he looks at us and say, you are a reflection of me. If that is true, that we are actually the light, then let me tell you this, we don't all just need to be pastors. <laughs> Can I tell you why? Because darkness is everywhere, so guess where the light needs to be? Everywhere. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, in the workplace, it's much easier to complain about the darkness, isn't it, than be the light there. I know you have a bad boss. I know people are really difficult. And guess where God's asking us to be a light? There. We need light in financial institutions. We need light in HR. We need light in the music industry. We need light there. And the invitation from John, he's going, walk in the light so that when people see you, they see him. And he has appeared once he came to earth, now through you. Let your light shine. I wonder, maybe we've just become really scared of the darkness or maybe we don't look much different than it in our workplaces. So hear the invitation, walk in the light, a relaxing posture where you can agree with God, you're right, let's sit together. God, search my heart, what's in there? God, I've been very angry in the past 24 hours. God, what are we doing about this? I can't say this enough. God wants a personal, intimate relationship with you. You already know that, I know. We have all those really fancy phrases like, it's not a religion, it's a... Oh, no, this is, you don't whisper. You don't whisper, you say it. Let's try it again, ready? It's not a religion, it's a? More than you think. And when you walk with him, can I tell you something? You look more like him everywhere you go, and everywhere you go, there is darkness. And and my encouragement, John's encouragement, be the light there, everywhere. I'm going to share with you a story to end. Uh, I I hesitate in even sharing it because I'm more often than not selfish. This story is one where I actually crushed it. I did it right, but it feels weird being like, so be like me. No, don't. Um, But I'm going to tell you a story of what it looks like to walk in the light. I was in, uh, actually, I'll start with uh, when I was pregnant with my second son, Jed, I had the food cravings, you know, the, you get those, and um, for Italian food. And then, and then I had Jed, and I realized, nope, I just like Italian food. It wasn't actually a craving. Uh, and then I fell in love with a little restaurant called Olive Garden. Anyone? The soup and salad, right? The Zuppa Toscana, you know? Uh, just me? Okay, good. Like, I get the soup and salad, but I don't really care about the salad. It's just they give you as much soup as you want. Isn't that wild? And then they bring the breadsticks, which are always warm. I mean, now you guys are hungry. It's still early. Okay, so I love Olive Garden. So I'm going to Tennessee to speak at this conference, and I'm in the city that there's, like, all these amazing Tennessee food. And I get on my phone. I was by myself, and I searched, but where's the local Olive Garden? (laughs) Because I love it. And so I look up the Olive Garden. I'm so excited. But I'm also by myself. And, like, do I sit at the restaurant? Do I take it to go? It's not as good, and you don't get the refill. So I'm like, I'm going by myself. (laughs) That's where I'm going. I'm going by myself to Olive Garden. So I show up, and it's so embarrassing. You know, you walk up. The lady's like, how many in your party? Me, I'm a party. Okay, here we go. So, you know, and so she takes me to the seat. And so here's the deal. I was a waitress for seven years. I know what a good waitress is. 
And the lady I had as my waitress at Olive Garden that day was not a good waitress. <laughs> I sat down to eat, and I decided, you know, I'm just going to have fellowship with the Lord. That was, I'm like, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be insecure of myself. I'm just going to hang out with the Lord, have a conversation with him. And I did. I put away my phone and just started kind of engaging in my mind with the Lord about life and trying to talk with him. And it's hard to stay engaged, but I wanted to just walk with him, right? And so, the, you know, the waitress comes up, and she's like, can I take your order? I'm like, oh. Soup and salad. <laughs> I'm so excited. She's like, okay. And I'm like, and then you get like the bottomless soup. I'm so excited. Which one do I want to try first? And she just didn't seem to care. Like, I was so excited. It was an olive garden, you know? She didn't care. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, she goes and brings back the soup. And she's like, and then she leaves. And like, you know, a couple minutes later, she's like, is there anything else I can do? I was like, um, utensils. But, you know, it's not a rush. <laughs> Don't feel rushed. Whenever you have time, I'm not in a hurry. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You know, she's scrambling and she's running. And then a little bit later, she's like, is it going okay? Do you want, like, um, um, I'm like, can I get the soup refill? She's like, the soup refill. I'm like, you don't know the soup refill. You work here. I tell her and explain what it means. And she brings me another soup and it's great. And she's like, is there anything else you need? I'm like, um, <laughs> water, but just when you have time. Like, just don't worry. And she's just scrambling. And I'm watching her at one point. She's like, I'm so sorry. We're just one waitress down. And so we're just, and she's so stressed out. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I'll just drink the soup because the spoon's still not there. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it goes back and forth a while. I'm there a while. By the end of the time, she walks up and she goes, okay. What in the world is different about you? And I was like, oh. And I could tell she was the type of lady that probably hadn't read her Bible in ever. I said, oh. Was I loving? She's like, kinda, yeah. I was like, was there like, was there joy? She's like, yes. I'm like, how about? Peace and patience. She's like, yes. And I can imagine her at this moment going, and apparently arrogance, <laughs> you know? But I just kept going. I'm like, was I kind? Yeah. Good, faithful. Did I seem kind of like self-controlled almost? She's like, okay, stop. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I got to look at her and I went like this. I have to tell you, I know the answer to your question about what's different. It is all Christ in me. Because let me tell you, by nature, my flesh, my temptation to hide is to be good enough on my own. But unfortunately, that leads me not to love. It leads me to self-protection and not being known and not even thinking of anyone else to love. By nature, I'm not all that joyful. I'm distracted. I'm not peaceful. I'm hurried. I'm not patient. I'm quick. And I expect everyone else to get it right then. Even you, I'm like, come on, get it. Be free. Sign up for Rooted. <laughs> Good, faithful, self-controlled, honestly, left to myself, I just try to control everything on my own. And so I'm looking at this woman, I go, I know the answer to your question. The best part in me is all him. And you just got to meet him. <laughs> You're the light so that people see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. And you know where it's gonna happen? With bad drivers. You know where it's gonna happen? With ungrateful kids. 
You know what's going to happen? With terrible bosses. How do I know that that's what we're called to? Because he came to us and met us right where we're at. He appeared for fellowship. And he's light. He illuminates, he lets us see ourselves. This woman at Olive Garden, which I love, saw herself in contrast to the light. Friends, that's us. This world is swimming in darkness and we can critique it all day. Or we can see the darkness in ourselves and see what God's response was. He moved toward us in relationship. May we reflect that light so when people see us, they give glory to our Father in heaven. Will you pray with me? We can talk all we want, Lord, about being with you in the light, yet here you are. You have appeared yet again this morning, as you do. What are you doing in us? Take a moment, right where you're at. Be with the one who is light, who knows all of you, who knows your week, who knows your morning, who knows your attitude, who knows your anger, who knows your sadness, who knows all of you and wants to be with you. Lord, we're gonna need your help. I pray as we leave our seats this morning that we would look up and your light would appear through us as we look at others, as we pick up kids, as we drive to restaurants. God, thank you for being the light exposing us that we might see how loved we are in an undeserved way that we might love others the same in response. Help us, Lord, we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.